is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime, Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Sorry, I'm tired okay. today. <laughs> Ciao. I, I'm like, I'm sitting here like, I wish I was laying in bed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, sleepy sleeps. I'm sleepy. I will say today was my first day back at work after taking a little vacation of not going anywhere, but just staying in my house and not moving and doing anything. So, it's hard. Yeah. I'm sleepy today, too, because it was my first day to actually have to, like, function and mm-hmm. use my brain effectively. So that was, uh, it, was a, <laughs> it was a challenge. <laughs> it was a challenge. And then, of course, coming back to, like, the mountain of emails and all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. That's what I hate the most. That's why, like, sometimes I just like taking four days and coming back on a Friday so that I can go through my emails. Mm-hmm. Is that weird? Just so then no. that way when I come in on, like, a Monday, it's not It's as not so inundating. Daunting. Yeah. yeah. I was, like, I was very tempted to log in over the weekend and just be like, I want to clean out my inbox. But then I was like, no. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Joby's like, Fuck. No. no. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Very sleepy. But... Very sleepy, getting ready for the holidays that are exhausting. Yes, getting ready for the holidays. You are Which, you are listening to us a week before Christmas, a week and a half before Christmas. You are so. in the future to us. Yes. Future, What's up, future, future listeners? Future listeners. So Christmas is already done. Christmas and probably and New, New Year's, Year's is already probably done. New Year's. Mm-hmm. And we're probably mid-January? Probably closer to February. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. But, Crazy. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Damn. Damn. So happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, right. Uh, Buy your significant other something you're, nice. Hope you're spending it with someone you love. Or doggies. Or yeah. dogs. Or well, animals. Yeah, somebody you love. I used yeah. to spend Valentine's Day with my best friend when I was single, and we would watch Disney movies, and we would get Panda Express, and it was like always the best day ever. Yeah. My sister and I used to do Valentine's Day together yeah. when I was single. Yeah. Because it's just like you, you need to have... Love does not have to come from a significant other. It doesn't. Mm. I bought chocolate and ate by myself. <gasps> yeah, I've done that before. Or I would do like friend dates. Like I would go like out on a yeah. date with like a friend. Yeah. My uh, my friend calls it uh, Galentine's. That's from Parks and Recreation. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they do that the day before the, uh, Valentine's and like I, she invited me out and we all went and ate and I was like, this is the cutest shit ever. Yeah, Galentine's Day. I mean, I had a boyfriend, but like it was just nice to have. Yeah. You don't have to be single for Galentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. It was nice. It's lady love, which yeah. don't Google that. Um, all right. So <laughs> on that note, on that note, we're going to pass that over, or, you know, or Google that. I mean, I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. Uh-uh. Sometimes it's my yum, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and pass it on over to uh, Nikki for tonight's true crime headlines. So my very first one, and I actually really love this website, is Law and Crime. Mm. Um, but... It, uh, yeah. It's kind of law and order. So it says, sister of missing five-year-old girl told principal's daughter, Oakley is no more, she said. She has been eaten by wolves. I saw that today. Yeah. This was posted December 14th, 2021. It says, law enforcement authorities in Washington on Monday called off the search for Oakley Carlson, a five-year-old girl who was reported missing on December 6th, but was last seen alive on February 10th. February 10th? February 10th. Dang. Authorities say they thoroughly combed more than 300 acres of land area surrounding the parents' home 
and have yet to find the child or evidence of her remains. The end of the search for now comes amid reports that Oakley's six-year-old sister made a series of disturbing claims that appear to increasingly cast suspicion on her parents, Jordan Bowers and um, Andrew Carlson. Where so, is this? Uh, Washington. State or D.C.? Uh, I believe st- I would think state because it's I'm Washington state. in D.C. It's true. But it says Bauer, uh, Bowers and Carlson have already been arrested and charged with second degree child abandonment, abandonment for allegedly withholding medication from Oakley's six-year-old sister for as long as 15 months. Jeez. They are currently being held in the Grays Harbor County Jail on a $150,000 bond. They were originally taken into custody on um, on suspicion of manslaughter. Dang. That's awful. I mean, there's definitely more to And this, she's been eaten by wolves is what the well, little okay, kid said. Well, okay, so it says the well, search. I'm guessing, but yeah, go ahead. So I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip. What is going on? There's a bug. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm. Sh- I'm like seeing out of my eyes. <laughs> just, like hands going up and down. There's a bug. All right, is it ahead. a mosquito? No, it's a, actually it's a moth, which is okay. so gross. I hate moths. Uh, I would rather be a moth than a mosquito. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I get bit up. Yeah. No. Same. Okay. So I'm gonna skip a little bit further down because this is actually a really long um, article. Mm-hmm. But it says the search for Young Oakley began when the principal of the Oakville. Um, school district called the police and requested a welfare check on the child's home. The principal reportedly told investigators that Oakley had not been to school for a long time and that every time she tried to check in on the girl's well-being, her parents were armed with um, a different excuse. Mm, yeah, I don't like that. That's a So it said, even more worrying, Oakley's older sister had allegedly made several comments to the principal that worried her a great deal. Just days before the announced end of the search for Oakley, court documents were released appearing to show that Oakley's older sister believes her sister or her sibling is dead. Mm. While at a sleepover with the principal's daughter and the principal, Oakley's sister allegedly said, Oakley is no more. There is no no Oakley. Mm. So it says um, during a another interview uh, with the child advocate, um, Oakley's sister allegedly said that her mother had told her not to talk about Oakley with anyone, and the girl was also allegedly told the child uh, told the child advocate that Oakley had gone out into the woods and had been eaten by wolves. Yeah, it's fucking... That's... Sad. Awful. Horrible. So that is my first true crime headline. Um, my second true crime headline is from Yahoo. Yahoo! Mm-hmm. And it says, coroner, woman killed in alleged Henry Ruggs, um, the third DUI crash, burned to death. And this was posted December 14th, 2021. Oh, sorry. This was Yahoo Sports because this guy is a. This story gets me so fucking upset. I was wondering why, why you were staring at me. This looked, story looked up and I was like, gets me so fucking I I upset. Wanted, I wanted to cry. That's why I was like, both of my true crime headlines are sad. And our story tonight is really sad, too. Yeah. Good going. Good job, guys. Good job. A nerve... Uh, I said I almost said a nirvana. A nerve... Nevada? Bro, I told you. I don't know how to fucking speak. <laughs> I know how to say Nevada. But when I'm reading it, it doesn't come out as Nevada. <laughs> don't judge me. I'm not... Who's judging? Oh. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. People at home, don't judge me. <laughs> you don't know how to speak either. <laughs> 
No, I'm serious. I'm like, have you ever had it? Like, have you ever just had a brain fart where you forget how to spell like an easy word? Yes. And you're like, how the fuck do I? Yes. Yeah. I can't say polygamy. That's you just did. No, I know, but what, monogamy. No, misogyny and monogamy. I can't <laughs> misogyny do it. Misogyny and monogamy. Yeah. Uh, I Monomina. can't say like. I can't say a lot of words. <laughs> so yeah, it's all right. But it, I mean, it's fine. A Nevada uh, coroner revealed on Tuesday that the woman killed in an alleged DUI crash involving former Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs III burned to death in her car. Tina Tintor. This story makes me so... I was like, I don't even think people hear me talking at the point of you breathing. (laughs) Makes me so angry. Charlie's anger is taking... I'm Um, seething. Tina died... uh, Tina... uh, died from thermal injuries due to a motor vehicle collision on November 2nd. Um, she was 23 years old. Mm. Um, it says police say that Ruggs was driving his Corvette 156 miles per hour. Anger. Why do you need to go that fast? Because you're a drunk asshole. Yeah. And you think you're untouchable because you're a fucking football player, you piece of trash. Do not edit that out. Oh, I won't. <laughs> It makes me so angry. Sorry, you see what you did, Nikki? Every week, every week I do this, I fuck up. So early on November 2nd, on a residential Las Vegas street, while under the influence of alcohol, before colliding into uh, Tina's Toyota RAV4, rupturing the gas tank, killing her and her golden retriever, Max. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just got serious. Yep. Yeah. His blood uh, alcohol content was 0.16% on the night of the crash, twice the legal limit in Nevada, according to police. The posted speed limit was... 35 miles an hour? 45. Oh, okay. Close, though. Close. 35 miles an hour. It wasn't 120-something. 156? I don't even know. I didn't know cars could go that quick. Seriously, legit. Like... I do 80 and my tires feel like they're going to fly off my car. For real. I'm like, how the fuck do you get past 100, man? Um, police say they found a loaded handgun in the wreckage of his car. I didn't know Witnesses that. told police that they heard screams and attempted to rescue her and her dog, but were unable to approach the car this engulfed by smoke and uh, fire. So it said that uh, Ruggs and his girlfriend were both hospitalized with unspecific, uh, or sorry, unspecified injuries after the crash. So he is charged with two felony counts of driving under the influencing, uh, influence, causing death or serious injury, two felony counts of reckless driving, and a misdemeanor weapon charge. He posted a $150,000 bail and remains on house arrest. But it said um, that he faces a minimum of two years and up to 50 years in prison if convicted on all I hope charges. they throw the book at him. I hope they throw the book at him. They'll I hope give they him two years I know. because of who he is. Well, they'll and give him two years and then he'll get out on good behavior and he'll probably... And, and, hey, NFL, I guarantee you're going to put him back on a fucking football field, aren't you? Just probably. like Michael Vick, the dog murderer. And guess how old this fucking <laughs> dude was? 23, right? 22. Yeah. So imagine he gets out in two years and he's like 24 and it's like you're going to what do the same shit again? Yep. Because you haven't learned anything better. Mm-hmm. So those are my true crime headlines for the week. I'm sorry that I made you angry like I do every week. <laughs> but yeah, no, Michael Vick is uh, trash. Woosa. Garbage. So... Okay. So. We have another trash human being we're going to be talking about it's this evening. Thick, it's a thick, this is a thick boy. Hold on. That's what she Hold said. On. Do it, do it, do it. Hold on. Yeah. 
She thick. She thick. She thick. This she this thick. Uh, this story is thick. So we have another garbage person we're going to be talking about this evening, and that is one. This this, uh, this is uh, this is also our our bed crime story. For oh me, yes, y'all. this is a bed crime story. I'm sorry, I'm just so angry. Na- narrated, narrated, <laughs> narrated by Charlie. I'm so angry, guys. I'm sorry. I see. I couldn't say the word narrated. I'm going to just start pointing out every word I don't know how to say. <laughs> Before anybody else does. Oh, gosh. All right. So, yeah. So, here's our other... <laughs> this tonight is Dumpster Fire People Night. That's the theme. That's going to be the name of this episode. Yes. yes. Um, Can you please? Dumpster, Dumpster Fire? Dumpster Fire People. Dumpster Fire People. Yeah, there people we go. are garbage. Um, so, tonight we are going to be telling wait, wait. the story... Uh, people. They're people. not great. They're not great. They're the worst. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> okay. So, we're telling the story of... Jeffrey Dahmer. Ooh. I'm excited. Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, but not in like an excited good way, like in yeah. a like a excited this is gonna be terrible way. Yeah. yeah. Um so my sources for tonight are um I guess our three favorite resources, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and the Criminal Minds Wiki page. Yeah. <laughs> The only, Criminal Minds, man. <laughs> the yeah. only three resources that we uh, we pull from anymore. That's I will, all you need. I will say, I, I put on Criminal Minds last night when we were working on our holiday stockings, and I was, like, so fucking hyper-focused. I mean, it was season one, episode one, but I was like, mm-hmm. and I've watched it, like, three, watched, like, three times already. Yeah. But, I hear you. I hear you. All right, guys. And away we go. So, Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born in West Allis, Wisconsin to Joyce Annette and Lionel Herbert Dahmer, an analytical chemist. Oh. His brother David was born when Jeffrey was seven years old. Uh, when Jeffrey was eight, the family moved to Bath, Ohio. By the time Jeffrey was ten, he had grown increasingly withdrawn and uncommunicative. Which is a really fun word to say, by the way. Um, this behavior lasted until he was about 15 years old. He showed very little interest in any hobbies or social interactions. He would bike around his neighborhood looking for dead animals, which he would bring home to dissect. I need to read Yeah, for Have real. you... But, I mean, so, giving him, I mean, a, cr- a crumb, a crumb, um, he didn't kill the animals himself, at least. He found already dead animals. Have you watched the the movie that they did, My Friend Dahmer? No, I have not watched okay. it. Okay. It's very interesting. It's like, it's basically his mindset before... Be- okay, gotcha. Before he becomes a really horrible human being. Right, which didn't take long. No. Um, so he would bike around the neighborhood looking for dead animals. He would bring them home to dissect them. In one instance, he found a deceased dog, and he, put, he nailed the dog's body to a tree and put the dog's head on a spike. That's not normal. That's not normal. No, Sorry. it's not normal. Uh, look at <laughs> my dog's in here looking at us like, are you gonna put me on a tree? No, sweetie, I never put you on a tree. She's like, okay, good girl. Aunt Jovi's gonna rub my head, <laughs> make me feel better. Good girl. Um, so Jeffrey was indeed an outcast at his high school, Revere High School. He had began uh, drinking in his teens and was a full-blown alcoholic by the time his he graduated from high school. When he reached puberty, Jeffrey discovered that he was gay, but he did not tell his parents. Um, in his early teens, he had a brief and, by all accounts, fairly innocent relationship with another teenage boy. By Jeffrey's later admission, it was during this time that he began to fantasize about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner in his early to mid-teens. And his fantasies gradually evolved 
to his focusing on the chests and torsos of his victims or the victims of his fantasies, um, which gradually became intertwined with his habit of dissection. Yeah. 70s or 60s? Uh, when this was happening? 70s. 70s, okay. Yeah. Sorry, just kind of like trying no, to you're zoom fine. in on the... 70s. That's where we're at. Okay, we're in the 70s. Yes. So Jeffrey committed his first murder in 1978, three weeks after his high school graduation. At the time, he was living alone in the family home in Bath, Ohio. On June 18th of 1978, Jeffrey picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, who was almost 19. Uh, Jeff lured Stephen to his house by inviting him over for a drink. Stephen had been hitchhiking to a rock concert in Chippewa Lake Park, Ohio, so he agreed to join Jeffrey at his house for a few beers um, because he had the house to himself, so he figured, uh, good time, party time. So according to Jeffrey, seeing Stephen without his shirt on standing at the side of the road stirred his sexual feelings. But when Stephen began talking about girls, he knew that any sexual passes he made would be denied because obviously Stephen was straight. After several hours of talking, drinking and listening to music, Stephen told Jeffrey that he wanted to leave, but Jeffrey didn't want him to. So he bludgeoned Stephen with a 10 pound dumbbell. He later stated he struck Stephen twice from behind with the dumbbell. When Stephen fell unconscious, Jeffrey strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell. He removed Stephen's clothing and masturbated as he stood above Stephen's body. The following day, Jeffrey dissected Stephen's body in the basement and buried his remains in a shallow grave in his backyard. Several weeks later, Jeffrey recovered Stephen's body, removed the remaining flesh from the bones, and dissolved it in acid. He flushed the acid solution down the toilet and then crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woods behind the family home. What the holy Like, shit. talk about going from zero Sorry, to I, fucking 60. Literally looking right? at Jovi's face the whole time, I was like... <laughs> yeah. Talk about going from zero to 60. Like, the innocuous... like Again, like, yes, depraved and creepy dissecting of dead animals, but it's not like he was killing the animals. Like, he was finding the dead bodies was what whatever. Again, not my vibe, not my journey there, Dahmer, but, like, you do you, bro. But, like, to go from that to murdering, dissecting, and then sledgehammering the bones his, of an, a victim is his insane. His dad was a chemist, right? Yes. Okay. So there was a story that I had read. A story. A story that the, he... The hand. Yes. That when he would collect these animal bones when he was a kid, he used to, like, talk to his dad about, you know, how do you... Uh, how would you like dissolve the bones? What what chemical compounds? Blah, blah. And his That's dad... That's triggered there? Yes. Well, because he was like... To his dad, his dad, of course, because right, you don't think the worst in people, because especially your kid. So his dad was like, oh, he's interested in the biology of the animals, but he's going to be a scientist because he likes chemistry, not thinking that this is the path we're going down. I was like, God damn. I, I would sit there and be like, what are you? A... Yeah. That's where I would go for sure. Send you to Agreed. some counseling. Yeah. So later that same year, so just like a month and a half later, Jeffrey begins to attend Ohio State University, but he dropped out only after only one semester due to his failure to attend most of his classes because he was drunk for the majority of the term. I mean, I can feel that. Yeah, yeah, no, preach. Um, so since he failed that first semester, Lionel forced Jeffrey to enlist in the Army, where at first he did fairly well, but he was discharged after two years because... 
of his alcoholism. He had trained as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. On July 13th, 1979, he was deployed to Baumolder, West Germany, where he served as a combat, med- a combat medic in the 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, 8th Infantry Division. I don't know. I That's felt like that was mouthful. important. I felt like that was important to note. I guess it probably kind of wasn't. But anyway. People are probably like, uh-huh. Yeah, like, we, we're following you. Yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> I know that division right there. Yes, that's my division. Um, When the Army discharged Jeffrey in March of 1981, he was provided with a plane ticket to anywhere in the country. So he decided to head to Miami Beach, Florida, because he was tired of the cold. And he also did not want to face his father after being discharged from the military. So he worked at a deli and he rented a room at a nearby motel. He spent most of his salary on alcohol and was evicted from the motel for non-payment. Initially, he spent his nights sleeping on the beach and his days working at the I'm deli. I'm lie. That actually sounds like that'd be kind of nice. Sleeping on the beach sleeping and then the working at a deli. Yeah. Um, eventually, he called his father and asked to return home. I mean, not being a drunk, though. Correct. And after coming home, he continued to drink heavily and he was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct later in 1981. In 1982, uh, Jeffrey moved in with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. So he moved back to his birthplace in Wisconsin, where he lived for six years with his grandmother. During this time, his behavior grew increasingly strange, which is the understatement of the century. Um, His grandmother once found a fully dressed male mannequin in his closet. Uh, Dahmer had stolen it from a store. On another occasion, she had found That's a three. Normal. Don't look like that. <laughs> um, on another occasion, she found a three fifty seven Magnum under his bed. Terrible smells came from the basement. I wonder if you can guess what that's from. Dead bodies. Yeah. Yes. 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 Really? Jeffrey. D- yeah. Yes. 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 Okay, we're gonna touch on that, right? We sure are. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Jeffrey told his father that he had brought home a dead squirrel and dissolved it with chemicals. Yeah, okay. Um, he was arrested twice for indecent exposure, once in 1982 and the second time in 1986. But on his second offense, he had masturbated in front of two young boys. Yeah. Cute. Like the Swiss cheese man. Kind of. I was just thinking that. Kind I was like, of. Was Swiss cheese on his pee-pee? No, no Swiss cheese on, on his pee-pee. On his pee-pee? No Swiss cheese on, on his penis. On his penis? No, no. Um, I like how Joey basically like censored herself. On his peepee. On his peepee. Uh, Jeffrey began to frequent bathhouses, which he later described as being relaxing places. But during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated because his partners would move during the sexual act. Bathhouse. Bathhouse is like a gay gathering place okay. um, where there are different rooms and their um, sexual debauchery takes place. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Well, I, I should say sexual. Uh, it's uh, not like sexual pleasures? things. Yes, like basically you like can you don't pay, have you don't anonymous. Have pay. You usually actually pay for like Just a the room. No, 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 no. You usually pay for like a um, membership to the bathhouse. Oh, okay. You kind of come and go as you please. Um, so there's actually one in Tampa that a friend of mine used to go to a lot. So um, you go, you pay your membership fee or whatever. Then you go into the locker room, disrobe, um, and then go and you kind of just walk around and you meet people to have a good time with. And this was incredibly popular in the 80s. Is this an Ebor? No, actually, it's over by the airport, not far from the airport. Oh, really? Yeah, and like that industrial park over by the airport. Um, There was one in Ebor, but it actually burned down. Oh, okay. Yes. So, um, (laughs) hi, guys. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
But yes, it was super, super popular in the 1980s. Actually, fun fact, in the 70s, Bette Midler became popular because she used to perform at the bathhouses in New York City. And that's how she became popular. Yes. The New York City bathhouses. But yes, this is a a very, like it's a like a gay underground thing. You go and you meet other men and a lot, there's a good amount of time where it's men who are married and they go there to have their down low sexcapades. Um, Yeah, it's actually very, very common. Okay. Yes. I learned something new tonight. You're welcome. And that is your LGBTQ plus uh, lesson for the evening. Um, So he later described the bathhouses as being relaxing places. But during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated because his partners would move during the sexual act. So following his arrest, he had stated that, quote, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of as people. So for this reason, beginning in June 1986, he would administer sleeping pills to his partners, giving them liquor laced with sedatives. I just act like people don't exist. (laughs) Yeah, I just don't talk to people. Um, Once they fell asleep, he'd perform various sexual acts. After this happening approximately 10 times, the bathhouse's administration revoked his membership and he began to use hotel rooms to continue. Took them long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Super creepy. And the fact that he was doing this at the bathhouses, I think is, that's insane to me. Like, the fact that he got away with it. For as long as he did. Yeah. yeah. Like, you would think it would after, yeah, you would think after, like, the second one, they'd be like. Well, I'm curious if it was one of those things of, like, because it, right, it's two things. One, you're drugging the person, so they probably don't remember. They can't point you out. And, or number two, they're not going to, they're not going to, like say that you did something because maybe they'll get caught in a place where they weren't supposed to be Uh, right yes 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 so it may have taken longer for it to be found out than normal okay yeah so shortly after his membership to the bathhouses was revoked jeffrey read a report in the newspaper regarding an upcoming funeral of an 18 year old male he concocted a plan to steal the freshly buried body and take it home According to Jeffrey, he attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but the soil was too hard, so he abandoned his plan. Yeah. No, I literally, that just made me so sick that I want to, like... No vomiting. No vomiting in my office. <laughs> I mean, place. I also had to talk about for no dinner, too, yeah. so I'm like... There's no vomiting in podcasting. Like, oh, God. Amateur hour. Um, <laughs> I had to talk about dinner, man. <laughs> I was like, I should have thought about that better. Taco Bell plus necrophilia is never a good combination. Um, So (laughs) on uh, on November 20th, 1987, Jeffrey met a 25 year old man from Michigan, Stephen Twomey, at a bar and and persuaded him to return to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee, where Jeffrey had rented a room for the evening. According to Jeffrey, he had intended to simply drug Stephen and lie beside him as he explored his body. Uh, But the following morning, Jeffrey awoke to find Stephen lying beneath him on the bed, his chest crushed in and black and blue with bruises. Jeffrey's fist and one forearm were also extensively bruised. Jeff stated he had no memory of having killed Stephen and later informed investigators that he, quote, could not believe this had happened. Shock, shock, shock. Uh, To dispose of Stephen's body, Jeffrey purchased a large suitcase in which he transported the body to his grandmother's house. There, one week later, he removed the head, arms, and legs from the torso, removed the bones from the body before cutting the flesh into pieces easier to handle. Uh, Jeffrey placed the flesh inside of plastic garbage bags. He wrapped the bones inside of a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. 
The entire dismemberment process took Jeffrey approximately two hours to complete, after which he disposed all of the remains, excluding the head, in the trash. For a total of two weeks following Stephen's murder, Jeffrey kept the victim's head wrapped in a blanket. After two weeks, he boiled the head with a mixture of Soylex, which is an industrial detergent, and bleach in an effort to retain the skull, which he would then use to arouse himself. Eventually, the skull was too brittle by the bleaching process, so Jeffrey had to crush it and dispose of it. Dahmer? Dude, if you think this is bad, like how do people think Dahmer is this hot? Is, this, this is, is only dis- this is only the second of his seventeen I murders. Know. Only number two. I'm just like I can't listen to it anymore. <laughs> well, sorry, we're on page six of like twenty three. Continue, so, continue. Yeah. Uh, following Stephen Twomey's murder, Jeffrey began to actively seek victims in or close to gay bars, typically lured them back to his grandmother's home, where he would then drug his victims with triazolam or timazepam, um, either immediately before or shortly after engaging in sexual activity with them. Because again, remember he said he would get mad at the bathhouses because his victims would, what a bunch of jerks, move, right? How dare they? Um, Once his victim was unconscious with the pills, he would kill them by strangulation. So two months after killing Stephen, Jeffrey encountered a 14-year-old, 14-year-old Native American male prostitute named James Doxtater. Doxtater? Doxtater? Jeffrey lured James to his home with an offer of $50 to pose for nude pictures. At Jeffrey's grandmother's house, the pair engaged in sexual activity before Jeff drugged James and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. Um, He left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it. Very similar manner that he did with Stephen. Placed all of the remains excluding the skull in the trash. He again tried to boil and cleanse the skull in bleach, but again made it too brittle and had to crush the skull. I'm just curious, how old is his grandmother? Is she like... Like, to the point of, like, not being able to, like, you know, because I'm, like, I think of when I see my grandmother and she's, like, up my butt. I love my grandma, but, like, she's, like, near me all the time. So, it's, like. Um, okay. Well, so, let's, I mean, we can do some quick maths. So, you figure he would probably be, like, what, 25, 26 at this point? 27-ish? Mm-hmm. Maybe? I don't know. I'm, like, not doing the math, like, properly. But let's say he's about 27. Um, So, that would make his parents at least 50, if not older. So, his grandmother probably is in her 70s. That's my safe assumption. Yeah, but I feel like even 70, she would still be able to, like, get up and, like... You would think. Unless he drugged her, too. No, he didn't. Oh. I thought you said, no, no, he did. And I was like, oh. No, he didn't. Yeah. On March 24th, 1988, Jeffrey meets a 22-year-old bisexual man named Richard Guerrero outside a gay bar called The Phoenix. Jeffrey lured Richard to his grandmother's house. Um, although the incentive on this occasion was $50 to simply spend the remainder of the night with him. He um, gave Richard the sleeping pills, strangled him with a leather strap. Then he performed oral sex on Richard's body. Um, once again, dismembering him, disposing the remains, retaining the skull before crushing and disposing of it several months later. This is a pattern, guys. So we're going to this is a repeat type of a situation here. On April 23rd, Jeffrey lured another young man to his house. However, after giving the victim a drugged coffee, both he and the intended victim heard Jeffrey's grandmother call out, Is that you, Jeff? Although Jeffrey replied in a manner that led his grandmother to believe he was alone, she could see that he was not. 
Because of this, he opted not to kill this victim, instead waiting until he had become unconscious before taking him to the county general hospital. So it was in that summer of 1988 that she did ask him to move out because of the late nights, strange behavior, and the foul smells from the basement. Yeah, I know. Took long enough. But took long enough, but then like, but we're not going to like figure out what's happening here, right? I think me being a barista, I'm like, was it decaf coffee? Because I'm like, you would think it's like an upper and then a downer. Yeah. So I'm like... I mean, well, I guess with enough sleeping pills, it doesn't really matter what the upper is, right? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, He found an apartment on Milwaukee's west side, closer to his job at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Fun fact for you about Jeffrey Dahmer, I guess. He worked at a chocolate factory like Willy Wonka? I really would not compare the two. Just going to throw that out there on a limb. all I can think of is chocolate-covered skin. Good lord. Good Now I'm never going to eat chocolate again. Yes, you will. Yeah, I will. Uh, On September 26, 1988, one day after moving into... One day after moving into his apartment, he was arrested for drugging and sexually fondling a 13-year-old boy in Milwaukee. He was sentenced to five years probation and one year in a work release camp. He was required to register as a sex offender, so he returned to live with his grandmother as he carried out his sentence. Woman. For real. Jeffrey murdered his fifth victim, a mixed-race 24-year-old aspiring model named Anthony Sears, whom Jeffrey met again at a gay bar on March 25th, 1989. Jeffrey lured Anthony to his grandmother's home, where the pair engaged in oral sex before Jeff drugged and strangled Anthony. Uh, the following morning, he placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub, where he dismembered the body. Um, according to Jeffrey, he found Anthony, quote, exceptionally attractive, and he was the first victim from whom Jeff permanently retained any body parts. He preserved Anthony's head and genitalia and acetone and stored them in a wooden, wooden box, which he later placed in his work locker. Wait, you said acetone? Yeah. Isn't that how you remove nail polish? Yes, and you would think that that would actually would be, just... like, degenerative, but apparently right? it's no? a pr- uh, preservative, preservative, which is a shocking fact for me and apparently uh, apparently you guys should feel very comforted knowing i didn't know that <laughs> that's i learned another thing tonight yeah two things mm-hmm. so jeffrey was paroled from the work release camp two months early and on may 14th 1990 he moved out of his grandmother's house into 924 north 25th street 924 north 25th street apartment 213 taking anthony sears mummified head and genitals with him Within one week of moving into his new apartment, Jeff killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. Raymond was a 32-year-old male prostitute whom Jeffrey lured to the apartment with the promise of $50 for sex. Inside the apartment, he gave Raymond a drink laced with seven sleeping pills, and then he manually strangled him. The following day, he purchased a Polaroid camera um, and took several photos of Raymond's body in suggestive positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. Um, He boiled portions of Raymond's body um, in a steel kettle with Soylex, which was that detergent that he used earlier, which allowed him to then rinse the bone, uh, rinse the bones in the sink and remove like the flesh. Right. Because he was able to basically dissolve him. Um, He uh, then dissolved the remainder of the skeleton, excluding the skull in a container uh, filled with acid. He later spray painted the skull which he placed alongside the skull of Anthony Sears on a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. So I'm going to be honest right now. I'm glad that you did this story and I didn't. Okay. Because I am having a hard time. Mm. Yeah. Well, 
it gets it gets so much worse. Like I knew he was a fucking hot mess. Yeah. No, this is gruesome. He was gruesome to the nth degree. This is like. I mean, I can understand what why what happened to him happened to him. Yeah. So gruesome, gruesome, gruesome. Um, approximately one week after the murder of Raymond, on or about May 27th, Jeffrey brought, brought another young man to his apartment. However, he accidentally drank the spiked drink himself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. When he awoke the following day, his intended victim had stolen several items of his clothing, $300, and a watch. Good. Yeah. He never reported the incident to police, but he did tell his probation officer that he had been robbed. I wonder if the person, like, saw... Could you imagine... Well, right? Yeah, right? Because you're in this house where he has all of these parts and stuff. You're ransacking his apartment to steal his shit. What did you see? Did he see the skulls? That's what I'm saying. You would think that we would have gotten caught a lot sooner if we did. Damn. Yeah. So Imagine ransacking it and then not even... And then, like, years later, imagine being like, what the fuck? Yeah. In June 1990, Dahmer lured a 27-year-old acquaintance named Edward Smith to his apartment. He drugged and strangled Edward. On this occasion, he placed Edward's skeleton in his freezer for several months in a hope that it would not retain moisture. But freezing the skeleton did not remove the moisture, and the skeleton of the victim would be acidified several months later. Um, He accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it in the oven to dry, a process that caused the skull to explode. Yeah. Jeffrey later told police he felt rotten about Edward's murder because he was unable to retain any parts of his body. So he didn't feel bad that he killed him because he killed him. He felt bad that he killed him because then he wasn't able to keep any of his body parts. I don't even know what to say at this Like, point. for real. The depravity knows no bounds. All I can think of is, like, the smell of chicken when it's gone bad. Could you imagine? No. Legit. No. No. But that's what I'm saying. But like, that's what I like. Correct. Like, that's bad enough. And that's a chicken. A chicken. Like, if it smells a little off, I'm like, yeah. <sighs> For real. Um, less than three months later. Taco Bell's not a good idea. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't recommend it. Sorry. Um, less than three months later, Jeffrey um, encountered a 22-year-old Chicago native named Ernest Miller outside a bookstore. Ernest agreed to join Jeffrey at his apartment for $50 and further agreed to allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. I know. When Jeffrey attempted to perform oral sex on Ernest, he was informed that'll cost you extra. Once Jeffrey heard this, he gave his intended victim a drink laced with two sleeping pills. But since the dose was substantially smaller than he normally gave, he wound up having to kill Ernest by slashing his throat with the same knife that he used to dissect his victim's bodies. For real. So Jeffrey posed the new body for um, suggestive photographs before placing the body in the bathtub for dismemberment. Jeff repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head while he dismembered the rest of the body. Uh Yeah. Uh, Dahmer wrapped Ernest's heart, biceps, and portions from the legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge for later consumption. Oh, so this is when the yeah. eating starts. This is when okay. the eating starts. He boiled the remaining flesh and organ into the, with the Soylex. Again, rinsed off the this skeleton. This um, seven? I've eight? legitimately lost count. I'm not going to oh, lie okay. to you. Um, he, again, okay, so he wound up destroying the skeleton except for the, or no, he kept the full skeleton, painted and coated it with enamel. He kept his full Oh, no, no, the head. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I skipped a line. I skipped a line. 
He wanted to preserve the skeleton. He placed the bones in bleach solution for 24 hours, but the head was in the refrigerator before he painted it and coated it with enamel. Yeah. Um, On September 24th, Jeffrey encountered a 22-year-old man named David Thomas at a Grand Avenue mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks. That's the day before my birthday. Oh, the 24th. Happy birthday. Because that's 89, right? No, this is 90. We're in 90 now. Oh, shit. Sorry. I was was turning a one. You were turning one. So you were a year. Um, Jeffrey encountered a 22-year-old man named David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money and offer if he would pose for photographs. In his statement to police after his arrast, Jafe's, Jafe, Jafe, Jeffrey stated that after giving him Jafe, My name's Jafe. His name is Jafe. Uh, Jeffrey stated that after giving David the spiked drink, he did not feel attracted to him, but didn't want to wake him up and have him be angry that he had been drugged, so he just strangled him and dismembered the body, keeping no body parts whatsoever. Like, is it bad that I find that insulting? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, thank you. I get it. Like, it's fucked. Because it's fucked fucked up, because it's like, you just killed this person. You killed him. That's what you find. Yeah, like, you killed him for no reason because you didn't want to be mad so then you killed him, but then you still didn't keep any of his parts because you didn't find him attractive enough. Like, if but he was attracted, but he was attracted enough to bring back to your apartment to kill him in the first place. He just didn't know what he wanted. Yeah, for real, flip flopping. <laughs> um, he did, however, photograph the dismemberment process and retain the photographs, which did later aid in David's identification once all the evidence was found. So he did kind of keep a trophy. He kept the picture. Trophy, but he didn't keep anything to, like, satiate his got pleasure. It. Got it, got it, got it. Yes. Yeah. I'm just... Disgusted? Un- no, disturbed? I'm just... I'm, I just don't understand. He he soaks them in acid, right? And then he yeah. just puts it down the dra- and down the bath drain. What if your drink get clogged eventually? Well, because he's basically just dissolving it. It's like it's literally just straight liquid? Basically, yeah. Oh, yeah, the flesh is. That's why he's re- and he's retaining oh, okay. the bones. And, uh, yeah, okay. the bones. The bones. Sorry, that sounded awful. Once this happened with David, Jeffrey did not kill anyone for almost five months. But on February 1991, Dahmer sees a 17-year-old named Curtis Strader standing at a bus stop near Marquette University. According to Jeffrey, he got Curtis into his apartment with an offer of money for posing for nude photos with the added incentive of sexual intercourse. He drugged Curtis, cuffed his hands behind his back, and then strangled him to death with a leather strap. Um, Dismembered him, retaining the skull, hands, and genitals, and again photographed each stage of the dismemberment process. On April 7th, which is my sister's birthday. She was 11. She was 11 that day. Um, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. On April 7th, Dahmer encountered a 19-year-old named Errol Lindsay walking to get a key cut. So I guess going to like the hardware store or whatever to get a key made. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm trying to think. I was like, like a key cut. Of, I was like, is that a type of haircut? What's a key cut? <laughs> yes, he was getting keys cut into the side of the... I was like... Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeffrey was able to talk Errol into joining him at his apartment where he drugged him. Are you ready for this? this is okay. Sorry, hold on. Do you need a moment? Yeah, I didn't give this enough fanfare yet. Hold on. Well, not fanfare. It's not good. It's awful. It's worse. The escalation is beginning. So okay. again, we're now going up another notch. Okay. Okay. So he Errol Lindsay brings him back to the apartment. He drugs him, drills a hole into his skull, and pours hydrochloric acid into the hole. According to Jeff. 
Errol woke after this experiment saying, I have a headache. What time is it? What he was trying to do was create a permanent, unresistant, submissive state, basically a fully submissive sex object. He was basically trying to create a like zombie for sex. What the? So like a living fuck? sex doll to where they're alive, yes. but they can't move. Correct. Or resist. Oh my God. So once Errol came to, he says, I have a headache. What time is it? Jeffrey drugs him again and then strangles him. But he keeps Errol's skull. By 1991, fellow residents of the Oxford Apartments had repeatedly complained to the building's manager of the foul smells emanating from apartment 213, in addition to the sounds of falling objects and the occasional sound of a chainsaw. (laughs) The manager did contact Jeffrey in response to the complaints on several occasions, but he initially excused the odors, stating that his freezer broke and caused the contents to become spoiled. But what what do you tell the landlord that, hey, my freezer is broken... Can you fix it? You would think. On later occasions, he informed the manager that the reason the odor returned was that several of his tropical fish had died, but that he would take care of it. Yeah. Here's the most famous of all of them, the returning of the victim. This is the most famous of all of the um, Dahmer victims. On the afternoon of May 26, 1991, Jeff meets 14-year-old Lao teenager named Konarak I'm, and I'm so sorry. Synthesomphone. Synthesomphone. On Wisconsin Avenue. Unknown to Jeff, Konarak was the younger brother of the boy he had molested back in 1998. No the shit. one that he actually got in trouble for. <gasps> Isn't that fucking nuts? That's crazy, right? Wow. Um, yeah. He approached the child with an, and I keep, I refer to him in my story as a child or the boy because he's a 14 year old boy. Mm -hmm. He approached the child with an offer of money to accompany him to his apartment to pose for Polaroid pictures. According to Jeff, he stated that Konarak was reluctant at first before finally changing his mind and accompanying him to his apartment. Konarak posed for two photos in his underwear before Jeff drugged him into unconsciousness and performed oral sex on him. Jeff once again attempted his experiment of drilling a hole. He drilled a hole in Konarak's skull, injected it with hydrochloric acid, and before falling unconscious, Jeff was able to lead Konarak into his bedroom, where the body of 31-year-old Tony Hughes lay naked on the floor. This person Jeffrey had killed just three days earlier. Konarak, however, did not react to seeing the body because, of course, the effects of the sleeping pills plus the hydrochloric acid that Jeffrey had just put in his skull. The boy soon becomes unconscious. Jeffrey lays with him drinking several beers before leaving his apartment to go drink at a bar and then purchase more alcohol. Yes. In the early morning hours, Jeff is walking back towards his apartment to come home and he discovers Konarak sitting naked on the corner of 25th and State talking in Lao with three distressed young women standing near him trying to help him. Jeffrey approaches the women and tells them that Konarak, whom he referred to by his alias John Mong, was his friend and attempted to lead him back to his apartment by the arm. But the three women resisted Jeff doing this and told him that he, they had called 911. Two police officers arrive. Jeffrey's demeanor relaxes, which is shocking. Uh, but he, And he tells the officers that Konarak is his 19-year-old boyfriend and that he was he had drank too much following a fight, but that this is behavior was normal for this person when he drank. 
Yes. So I want to know how big the hole is. Yeah. Like, because I, when I'm thinking of a hole, I'm thinking of, like, a decent, like, size hole to where, like, people would notice something like that. But when, the when way I picture, that... Right. When I'm picturing the hole, I'm thinking of, like, taking a... Uh, what are those called? A drill. drill is like the word. Yes, a drill. And you figure the size of, like, the end of a screw. <laughs> hole. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking, like bigger yeah um like, how the fuck is he up and functioning well yeah because when you have when you have um fluid oh. in your brain that's what they do they drain it they just kind of yeah my whole thing is it's not even so much the drill which obviously is bad in, in, in and of itself but the hydrochloric acid you're pouring in there yeah. can't how does that allow you to like be conscious it's insane yeah the human brain is crazy it is um it fucking is yeah so like I said, two police officers arise. He says this is normal behavior when his 19-year-old boyfriend, quote-unquote, is too dr- is too drunk. The three women are very frustrated by this, and one of them attempt to tell the officers that they had seen that Konarak had blood on his private parts and was bleeding from his rectum, and that he had seemed to struggle against Jeffrey's attempts to walk him back to the apartment before the cops arrived, but the officers claim to have seen no injuries other than a scrape on the boy's knee, and one of them harshly informed the woman to butt out and shut the hell up and to not interfere. I bet they're taking that back now. Yeah. Three members of the Milwaukee Fire Department arrive at the scene. They examine Konarak, and one of the three believe that he did indeed need further treatment. The police officers, though, direct the fire personnel to leave the scene, and they escort Dahmer and Konarak back to Jeffrey's apartment. Um, as Jeff repeatedly commented on the general crime in the neighborhood and of his appreciation of the police. Inside the apartment, and in an effort to verify his claim that he and Konarak were indeed lovers, Jeff showed the officers the two semi-nude pictures that he had taken of the boy the previous evening. The officers left with a departing remark that Jeff should, quote, take good care of Konarak. This incident was listed by the officers as a domestic dispute. <laughs> Once, the- Meanwhile, there was another body yep. playing in his bedroom. Yep. Once the officers left his apartment, Jeffrey injected more hydrochloric acid into Konarak's brain, but the second injection was indeed fatal. The following day, May 28th, Jeff called out of work in order to have plenty of time to dismember the bodies of both Konarak and Tony Hughes, and he retained both of the victims' skulls. On June 30th, he travels to Chicago, where he meets 20-year-old Matt Turner at a bus station. Matt accepts Jeffrey's offer to travel back to Milwaukee with him for a professional photo shoot. At the apartment, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey drugs, strangles, and dismembers Matt, places his head and internal organs in a separate plastic bags in the freezer. Five days later, on July 5th, he lures a 23-year-old named Jeremiah Weinberger from a Chicago bar to his apartment on the premise of spending the weekend with him. He drugged Jeremiah and injected boiling water through his skull this time, sending him into a coma from which he died two days later. Oh, my God. Yeah. July 15th, Dahmer encounters a 24-year-old named Oliver Lacey, who agreed to Jeffrey's ruse of posing nude for photographs, went with him to his apartment, where the, where the pair engaged in tentative sexual activity before Jeffrey di- does drug Oliver. On this occasion, Dahmer intends to prolong the time he spends with Oliver while he was still alive. What a stand-up motherfucker, huh? Wow. After I know. After he was unable to knock Oliver unconscious with chloroform, um, he phoned his workplace to call out again. This was granted, but the next day he was suspended from work. So... 
He had two days off and then he was suspended, so he had three days. Yeah. All they did was help him give him more time. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, after that's like when they suspend you from school for missing school, yeah, it's like well, that's counterintuitive. Like, okay. Um, after eventually strangling Oliver, uh, Jeffrey had sex with the corpse before dismembering him. He placed the head and heart in the refrigerator and the skeleton in the freezer. Uh, four days later, he finds out that he was fired from his job, and on receipt of this news, because he was so upset, he lures twenty-five-year-old Joseph Bradhoff to his apartment. <sighs> where uh, he was strangled and left lying on Dahmer's bed covered with a sheet for two days. I'm sorry. Yes. What? Yes. After two days, he removes the sheet to find the head was covered in maggots. Oh. Yep. So he decapitated the body, cleaned the head, and then placed it in the refrigerator. I think eating in general before this was just a bad idea. Yeah. We are coming to the end, my friends. This oh, is okay. our final oh, okay, our okay. final showdown with one Mr. Dahmer. So, on July 22nd, 1991, Jeffrey approaches three men with an offer of $100 to... He's, he's up in the ante here. Oh, um, to accompany him back to his apartment to pose for nude photographs, drink beer, and simply keep him company. One of the three, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agrees to go. When he enters the apartment, Tracy notes that there's a foul odor and several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor mm. um jeffrey dismisses this by saying he uses it to uh to clean bricks yeah. um tracy turns his That's head his hobby on yeah, the side says, I, I clean bricks i clean bricks yeah um tracy turns his head and jeffrey places a handcuff on his wrist and when tracy asks what's happening jeff tries to now handcuff the other wrist but he was unsuccessful he was, however, able to lead Tracy into the bedroom, and while inside, Tracy notes that there's nude male posters on the wall, and there's a blue 57-gallon drum in the corner, which was a which was the source of the foul odor. Oh, God. Yeah. <clears throat> Tracy observes Jeffrey rocking back and forth and chanting before turning his attention back to him. He placed his head on Tracy's chest, listened to his heartbeat, and with a knife pressed against Chase, Tracy's body, said that he intended to eat his heart. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tracy asked if they could sit with a beer in the living room where there was air conditioning. He was just trying to figure out a way that he could escape, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> he just keeps, like, moving him to try and disorient him, I guess. So um, they go to the living room. Tracy waits until he observed Jeff kind of like stop paying attention, like look the other way. And he says that he needs to use the bathroom. So Tracy gets up and sees that Jeffrey is no longer holding the handcuffs. So Tracy punches him in the face, knocking Jeffrey off balance and runs out the door. You go. Right. At 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, Tracy flags down two Milwaukee police officers, Robert Ralph and Rolf Mueller. Tracy explains to the police officers that a, quote, freak had placed the handcuffs on him and asked if the police could remove them. When the officer's handcuff keys fail to fit the brand of handcuffs that were on Tracy's wrist, he leads officers back to the apartment where he had spent the previous five hours before being able to escape. When the officers and Tracy arrive at apartment 213, Jeffrey invites them inside and acknowledges that he did indeed place the handcuffs on Tracy but did not explain why. At this point, while they're in the apartment, Tracy tells the police officers that Jeff had also held a large knife to him and that this had happened in the bedroom. Jeffrey did not comment on this, but did state that the key to the handcuffs were in the dresser in the bedroom. Jeffrey tries to push past the officers to retrieve the, retrieve the key himself, but the officers tell him to back off. 
In the bedroom, one of the officers note that there was the large knife beside the bed. He also sees an open drawer with which, um, and when he looked, he discovered a large number of Polaroid pictures, many of which were of human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. And the officer was able to notice that the pictures matched the decor of the apartment. So he knew these pictures were taken here in this apartment, right? When Jeffrey saw that the officer was holding several of his Polaroids, he fought with officers in an attempt to resist arrest. The officers overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, called a second squad car for backup. At this point, one of the officers opened the refrigerator to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. As Jeffrey lay pinned on the floor, he turned his head towards the officers and said the words, For what I did, I should be dead. Okay, so Tracy is a goddamn hero. A fucking right? hero. Like. Yeah. A fucking hero. You go. Yeah. You go on with your bad self. <laughs> Rock on, Tracy. Um, a more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Milwaukee Police's Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached, were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. In addition, investigators discover collected blood drippings on a tray at the bottom of the refrigerator, plus two human hearts and a portion of arm muscle, each wrapped inside plastic bags upon the shelves. Mm -hmm. In the freezer, investigators discover an entire torso, Mm -hmm. plus a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom. Nope. No. No. Just no. What's in the drum? Oh, yeah. Do they go say what's in the drum? Oh, Oh, they do. Oh, Jesus Christ. What's in the box? (laughs) (laughs) Private Private contractors from the fire department's hazardous materials unit removed the 57-gallon drum from the apartment on July 23, 1991. Elsewhere in the apartment, investigators discover two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in the 57-gallon drum... Three further dismembered torsos dissolving in an acid solution. A total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of various victims were found. Can I say something? You sure can. I know someone who owns a oddity shop where they have like, you know, animal bones Mm -hmm. and things like that. And when I had spoke with him about the fact of like what he does and he goes, yeah, he's like, I live out on a farm because it smells so bad. Yeah. That he's like, because they have the big drums and they let the animals like soak in it to Mm -hmm. retrieve the bones. Right. And I'm just like. Yeah. Pops got like paid time off. For real. Like. And and a lot of it. Yeah. 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 It's very sad. Very. It's awful. Beginning in the early hours of July 23rd, 1991, Jeffrey was questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy as to the murders he had committed and the evidence found in his apartment. Over the following two weeks, Kennedy and later Detective Dennis Murphy conducted numerous interviews with Dahmer, which, when combined, totaled over 60 hours of questioning. Yeah. Jeffrey waived his rights to have a lawyer present. Have. Have a lawyer. Jeffrey, have a lawyer. Jeffrey waived his rights to have a lawyer present throughout his interrogation, adding that he wished to confess all as he had, quote, created this horror and it only makes sense I do everything to put an end to it. He readily admitted to having murdered 16 men in Wisconsin since 1987 with one further victim, Stephen Hicks, killed in Ohio back in 1978. He admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of his victims' bodies and confessed to having consumed the hearts, livers, biceps, and portion of thighs of several victims he had killed within the previous year. 
often tenderizing the flesh and organs prior to consuming them alongside condiments. Now I will tell you just a quick sidebar nation here. On Murderpedia, they have a photo of the inside of the refrigerator. Yeah. And it is, you can't really see anything. It's bags and you know what's in the bags, right? And then also like a jar of honey, a thing of mustard and a thing of ketchup. That's all that's in his refrigerator. It's so grody. So does he eat like like chicken tenders? Like does Who he knows? eat his body parts like chicken tenders? I and guess. Just, I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm never going to do anybody that eats anybody. Like, I've just decided. <laughs> no I've decided right here and right now, story, no cannibalism. I'm, I'm good with it's no cannibalism in my life. It's fucking vile. Just, it's vile. It literally has just made my stomach churn. Yeah. With you talking about it and describing it, and it's just like. Yeah. It's awful. How the fuck do people worship this fucking dude? Like, For, I don't fucking get it. I can't even. I can't like, even. I know. Describing the increase it increase describing the increase in his rate of killing in the two months prior to his arrest, Jeffrey stated that he had been, quote, completely swept along by his compulsion to kill, adding, quote, it was an incessant and never ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost, someone good looking, really nice looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. When asked as to why he had preserved a total of seven skulls and the entire skeletons of two victims, he stated he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of victims' skulls, which he had intended to display on a black table located in his living room. When asked uh, in a November 18, 1991 interview uh, who the altar was going to be dedicated to, he replied, quote, myself. It was a place where I could feel at home. He further described his intended altar as a place for meditation where he could draw a sense of power, adding that, quote, if his arrest had happened six months later, that's what they would have found. Joby and I just made the same fucking face at each other. Yeah. Like, no. Uh-huh. No. Yep. So Jeffrey was indicted on 17 murder charges, which was later reduced to 15. I don't know why, but my assumption, my assumption is they may have not have found evidence for two of them. Uh, That's my guess. I don't know. That's literally just a guess. Um, He was not charged in the attempted murder of Tracy Edwards, who was the hero in all of this. Hey, Tracy. His trial began on January 30th, 1992 with evidence overwhelmingly against him. He pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. The trial lasted only two weeks. The court found that Jeffrey was not only sane, but he was also guilty on 15 counts of murder. Only two weeks? Two weeks. I would just walk in there and be like, (laughs) yeah, he's guilty. Guilty. 10 minutes. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Um, He was sentenced to 15 life terms, totaling 957 years in prison, which was the maximum penalty available as Wisconsin had abolished the capital punishment in 1853. Mm. At his sentencing hearing, Jeffrey expressed remorse for his actions and said that he wished for his own death. In May of that year, Jeffrey was extradited to Ohio, where he entered a guilty plea for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks. Jeffrey served his time at the Columbia Correctional Institute in Portage, uh, Wisconsin, not Washington, Wisconsin, where he ultimately declared himself a born-again Christian. Oh, my God. He found Jesus. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Jeffrey was attacked twice in prison. The first time yeah. was in July of 1994. An inmate attempted to slash his throat with a razor blade while Jeffrey was returning to his cell from a church service at the prison chapel, but he was able to escape the incident with superficial wounds. While doing janitorial work in the prison gym, Jeffrey and another inmate, Jesse Anderson, were severely beaten by a fellow inmate, Christopher Scarver, with a broomstick handle on November 28, 1994. Jeffrey died of severe head trauma while on his way to the hospital in the ambulance, and Anderson died two days later from his wounds. Upon hearing of his death, Jeffrey's mother, Joyce, responded angrily to the media, quote, Now is everyone happy? Now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everyone? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. The response of the families of the victims was mixed, although it appears most were pleased with his death. The district attorney who prosecuted Jeffrey cautioned against turning Christopher Scarver into a folk hero, though, noting that Jeffrey Dahmer's death was still murder. Was was there a reason as to why he killed him? He just killed him? There does not seem to be a specific okay. reason why. No. Okay. He probably was just like... <sighs> You're grody. I'm going to yeah. murder you now. Yeah. Uh, the Oxford Apartments at 924 North 25th Street were demolished in 1992. The site is now a vacant lot and plans to convert the site into a memorial garden failed to materialize. Mm. In 1994, Lionel Dahmer published a book, A Father's Story, mm-hmm. but donated a portion of the proceeds from his book to the victim's families. Oh, that's I mean, nice. Yeah. I feel like all of it should Kind of the least you can yeah. fucking do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, most of the families showed support for Lionel Dahmer and his wife, Shari. Um, he had retired from from his career as an analytical chemist and resides with his wife in Medina County, Ohio. Both continue to carry the name Dahmer and say that they love Jeffrey despite of his crimes. Jeffrey's mother, Joyce, Jeffrey's mother, Joyce died of cancer in 2000. Jeffrey's younger brother, David changed his last name and lives in animate and an anonymity. And an 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 Yes, onomatopoeia. In January 2007, evidence surfaced potentially linking Jeffrey to Adam Walsh's 1981 abduction and murder in Florida. Because remember, he was in Florida. That's right. I remember this conspiracy. Yep. However, Adam's father, John Walsh, hero, uh, believed that another serial killer, Otis Toole, committed the crime. When interviewed about Adam Walsh in the early 1990s, Dahmer repeatedly denied involvement in the crime. I would Damn. wow. Drop I would, the mic. I would think that if Dahmer did it, he would own up to it. But he yeah. admitted everything else. Yeah. yeah, there would be no reason for him to deny that. And not to sound like I'm because def- I'm not defending him, obviously in any way, shape, or form. Adam did not fit his mo. Adam was a little boy. Adam was yeah, what yeah. six? He was like seven or eight. Oh no, I was gonna say I thought he was six too. Oh, I thought he was. Oh, we can look it up. I'll look it up. Continue. Look it up. Um, he was a little boy. He tend Dahmer tended to steer towards the pubescent, not prepubescent, but pubescent and young adult males who he was sexually attracted to, who were like handsome and model esque. Yeah. And Adam did not fit his mo whatsoever. He was a baby. He was a baby. Exactly. So. As much as I think it's like juicy to think, ooh, maybe Jeffrey Dahmer did it. I it doesn't make sense to to believe that. I hate fucking unsolved crimes though. They stress me out. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because this similar to what you like to do, where your crimes are kind of interwoven. The next story I'm going to do is going to be Adam Walsh. 
Six and a half. Okay. Okay. So, so you said seven, we said six, so we split the deck. Yeah. yeah. Well, split it's like seven, eight. Yeah. So I'm going to... That's going to be good. Yeah, I'm gonna do the Adam Walsh, Walsh story next um, uh, because there. Yeah. Well, there's no. Uh, oh, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, but yeah, so that's the story of Jeffrey Dahmer, the most awful human to ever walk the face of the earth. Which I mean, of course, there's plenty of other awful humans to walk. Good job. You made me very sick multiple times. I'm sorry. That's yeah, that's yeah. not my. Hey, I didn't do it. It's, it's his fault. He it did is it. His fault. That was that was very good and informative. Like I said, I knew he was one twisted motherfucker. I didn't realize that he was that. Yeah, I twisted. Yeah. Mm. All right. So oh, yes. we're gonna try something new tonight because you guys know I always complain about having to do the outro because I always lose my place and shit. Um, so Jovi is gonna try her hand at doing the outro this evening. So, um, he, and away we go. <clears throat> All right, guys. So that was another episode of Bed Crime Stories. <laughs> what are you stepping on over there? The papers. Oh, okay. <laughs> My story. Um, so as always, uh, find us on social meets. Uh, we have the Instagram and Twitter at right. Bed Crime Stories. This is correct. Um, and we also welcome any listener suggestions. If you want to say hi, if you want to send us pictures of animals, of pets, basically anything. We like entertainment. Um, you could drop us an email mm-hmm. at pod at gmail.com yep. or you could slide up in those DMs. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh huh. Um, tell a friend. Yeah, tell a, all the friends. Yep, that's a truth fact. Um, we appreciate it. That's all we want for Christmas. Yes, is tell a friend. So, I mean, this is well beyond Christmas. Yeah. So, hopefully, that's what you gave us for Christmas. Make it your New Year's resolution. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, as always. Be kind to one another. Please and thank you. <laughs> but until uh, until no. next time. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. But until next time, sweet dreams. <laughs> that was good. That was pretty good. That was, that was good. I'll light your arm up. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.